Well, in honor of Bethel Men's Day, even though we've had to postpone the bake-off, we're still going to preach about successful men. And ladies, I'm just telling you, this will show you what you can expect from your man. Amen? This should remind you what you should expect from your man. But before I begin, let me tell you about two men who met for the first time after graduating uh, years ago. One man said to the other, have you lived a successful life? Well, the second man said, yeah, I sure have. I've been married four times. And that first man said, well, how is being married four times showing that you're a successful man? Well, the second man said, well, the first marriage was to a millionaire. I married her for the money. The second marriage was to an actress. I married her for the show. The third marriage was to a female preacher. I married her to get ready. And the fourth marriage, I married to an undertaker. I married her to prepare me to go. Amen. Y'all get it? One to get ready. One for the money. Two for the show. Three to get ready. And four to go. Amen. Here's the whole point of that. Many people have a warped idea of success. How do you measure success? Many measure success by how much money they have. Many measure their success by how much power they have. A lot of others measure success by public opinion. But I want to tell you that success should not be measured by money, and it should not be measured by what somebody else thinks. Success, in my view, is obtained by faithful daily living and consistently making the right choices in life. In fact, I think that, that true success can only be measured by God himself. And so you need to know how to measure success. So on this Bethel Men's Day, we're going to take a look today on a, at a man who was considered in the Bible to be a successful man. I want to show you a man that God measured. A man that God measured to be a success. In the Bibles in front of you on page 38 in Genesis chapter 39... We're going to read just the first two verses there to get us started. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1. Now Joseph, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him, purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. You may remember Joseph's early days as a young Jewish man. He had gotten into an argument with his brothers and things got so heated and his brothers got so mad that they actually sold him 
They sold him to a band of Ishmaelite traders who then in turn sold him to an Egyptian officer named Potiphar. And that's where our story today picks up. It's right in the middle of this horrible situation that God calls Joseph a success. It's right here at the beginning that we identify what success is not. Success is not a matter of ideal circumstances. I mean, Joseph was a slave. That's not ideal circumstances. And we all know that we live in less than perfect circumstances. But listen to me, y'all. Circumstances do not define success. Just because you're going through a hard time does not mean that you cannot still be a success. But success is also not about being popular with everyone. Consider Joseph. Joseph wasn't popular even with his own brothers. How many of you are not popular with your own relatives? Amen. I think at one time or another we all are. But Joseph's brothers disliked him so much that at first they actually conspired to kill him. That's how much they liked Joseph. So if we're going to define success, we need to make sure that we do it the way God does it. We need to know how God defines success. And if we're going to do that effectively, we're going to have to go to his word only for our definition of success. So as we take a look at Joseph, I want to give you today three words that you can take home with you. Three words that you can take home that define success. And success begins with faith. Faith in God. Joseph centered his faith in God. Now, if you look at verse 2 again, you'll see that the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. That's important because any success that Joseph enjoyed came by way of the Lord. It came because the Lord was with him. Now, I think it's necessary for me to clarify a couple of things about faith this morning. One, faith involves a personal relationship it involves a personal relationship have you ever heard somebody say hey i don't want to talk about my faith it's a personal thing well when somebody says that what they usually mean is hey leave me alone about my faith because you might find out the truth about my faith or the lack thereof Real faith, friend, involves an ongoing, intimate, personal relationship with God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Now, faith also involves an understanding, men, that everything you've got, that everything you own belongs to the Lord. He's the one that gave it to you. You are just the manager of what he's given you. Now, that reminded me of a story about a young man named James. James desired to be a man of great success. And so James planned on becoming a success by making and selling cheese of all things. 
Well, after making his cheese, he'd load up his wagon, and he and his pony named Patty would drive down the streets of Chicago selling cheese. Well, as the months passed by, in spite of long hours and a lot of hard work, he began to lose hope. He began to think that he wasn't successful. Why? Because he wasn't making no money. And so the first thing he said is he stopped his pony and he began talking to his horse. Now, that's probably one of his problems right there, amen? He's talking to his horse. But anyway, he started talking to his horse and he said, Patty, something's wrong. Something's wrong here. We must not be doing it right. I think we might have things turned around. Maybe we don't have first things first. Maybe we ought to be serving God first and making Him first in our lives and then trusting Him to allow everything to follow thereafter. And so the boy drove home. And he committed that for the rest of his life, he was going to serve God first. That God was going to be number one. And then he would work as the Lord directed him to work. Many years later, James is now a man. And he's the Sunday school director at the North Shore Baptist Church in Chicago. And he said, I would rather serve God at North Shore Baptist Church than head the greatest corporation in America. I want to serve the Lord. My first job is to serve Jesus. Everything else will come thereafter. So friend, every time that you take a bite of Philadelphia cream cheese, every time that you sip a cup of Maxwell House coffee, Mix a quart of Kool-Aid, slice up a DiGiorno pizza, eat some cream of wheat, slurp down some Jello, or eat the middle out of an Oreo cookie. I want you to remember this boy. I want you to remember this young boy named James and his pony named Patty and this promise that little James L. Kraft made that day to serve God first and to work as he directed. James Craft became a success. James Craft, the, 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 the owner, the CEO of the greatest food conglomerate in that time, became who he was. Why? Because God put him there. God put him there. Men, do you recognize that everything you've got comes from the hand of God? Everything you have comes from God. Is your faith centered in God? Now, here comes your second word. Second word I want you to carry home with you is not just faith, but faithful. They're different, amen? Faith and faithful are different. Joseph remained faithful to God. Now, you may profess your faith in Jesus you may profess your faith in God, but the real question is, are you faithful to God? Are you faithful to the Lord? Consider this. Joseph was faithful to God even in a hostile environment. When things were horrible, Joseph remained faithful. Consider this. Even as a slave over a thousand miles from home, 
Joseph remained faithful to God. Let's keep reading in verse 3. And Joseph's master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, and he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Even as a slave, Joseph remained faithful. But also, even when Potiphar's wife began to pursue him for a sexual relationship, Joseph remained faithful. Let's keep reading in verse 6. Thus, Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form, handsome in appearance, and it came to pass after these things that Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, Joseph said, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. You are my master's wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin not against Potiphar, but against God. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Even as a slave, a thousand miles from home, Joseph remained faithful. Even when Potiphar's wife pursued him day after relentless day for a sexual relationship, Joseph remained faithful faithful but even when he was thrown in prison thrown in prison for something he didn't do joseph remained faithful go to verse 19 and so it was when potiphar heard what his wife was saying to him saying your servant did to me after this manner that potiphar's anger was aroused then joseph's master took him put him in the prison a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there Joseph was in the prison. But, verse 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed Joseph mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was Joseph's doing. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. The Lord made it gain. So even when he was a slave, even when he was per being pursued by Potiphar's wife, even when he was thrown into prison for something he didn't do, Joseph remained faithful to God. 
he is the epitome of a successful man in my view. Because a successful man remains faithful to his responsibility, first and foremost, to God. Friends, I remember in the first church that I served in as an interim pastor. Going there, I learned, serving there, I learned a very valuable lesson about being faithful. The church that I served in was in a rundown neighborhood, and peak attendance was about 22 people. That was on Easter Sunday. Amen? Just not very many people. And Brother Howe, that service was dry. That service was dull. And I'll just tell you, brother, it was everything that I could do to endure the music. But God didn't call me to serve that church because I enjoyed the music. He called me to serve that church because he wanted me to be faithful where he placed me no matter what. Let us be understanding that we are to serve where God has placed us no matter what. And you know, you you read through the Bible and countless biblical examples have faithfully served in spite of hard times. They have served the Lord faithfully in spite of hardship, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the bad situations. Just think of Joseph. Faithful even as a slave. Joseph, faithful even as a prisoner. But then think of Job. Job was faithful, remained faithful, even though he lost everything, including all of his babies, all of his children. Think of Daniel. Daniel remained faithful even though he was thrown into the lion's den. You remember what he was thrown in there for? For praying. Think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul remained faithful even though he was repeatedly beaten and persecuted. And you know why he was beaten and persecuted? Because he was sharing the good news, the life-saving good news of Jesus Christ. But they remained faithful. I think that Joseph encouraged all of us, men and women alike, to be faithful in our circumstances and to not be defeated by our circumstances. But we got to be real, don't we? Man, situations can be awfully difficult. Circumstances can be really, really tough. And we know that Satan often attacks through those difficult circumstances, doesn't he? But God also gives us strength. Strength to be faithful even in the midst of those hostile environments and those difficult situations. Joseph was faithful in his circumstances. But you know, Joseph was also faithful to his convictions. Even after he faced the sexual temptation from Potiphar's wife, he did not yield to that temptation. He refused to yield to that that would uh, be an affront to God. He was steadfast in his convictions. Why? Because he was steadfast in his character too. You know, to me, it is inspiring when I see a man who is faithful to his convictions no matter what the cost. I'm thankful when I see a man who is faithful to his convictions because you know what? Being faithful to your convictions can be costly. It can be costly to be faithful sometimes. Praise God for men who faithfully cling to their convictions, who faithfully cling to godly 
character. And I'll just take this opportunity to tell you right now, this man sitting here on the front pew is one of the men that should inspire you. You know, you know my past. You know my history as an alcohol abuser and a drug abuser. But this man, this man has never touched either in his life. A man of character, a man of conviction. And this is the kind of man that we want our young people, our young men to follow after. These, this man who has godly character and godly convictions. You see, a successful man is not only have faith in God. He's faithful to God. Now, let me give you the third and final word that I want you to take home with you about successful men. And that is focused. Joseph stayed focused on God. Joseph remained focused on God's plan for his life. Yeah, he was a slave. Yeah, he got a bum rap and got thrown into prison. Yes, he was in a bad situation. But Joseph still focused on God's sovereign plan for his life. How many of you know that focus is a powerful force? When you focus on something, you can change it. When you focus on those things in your life that need changing, you can change them. Focus is a powerful force. Well, Joseph focused on the fact that God could bring good from an awful situation. How many of you know that our Father in Heaven is the absolute master, master of bringing good things from bad things? We've all gone through those bad situations. And yet here you are. Here you are listening today. Listening, praising God even though you've made it through your bad times. Joseph was the same way. He chose, he made a choice to focus on the fact that God can take a bad situation and transform it into a positive. God does it in our lives all the time. He focused on that and it blessed his heart. Over 200 years ago, Simon Braille and his wife Monique gave birth to their fourth child. Their fourth child was an overactive boy named Lewis. And this story will give you hope, uh, those of you parents that have overactive children. Uh, just listen to what happened to this boy named Lewis. Well, Lewis's dad, Simon, uh, and the family, they lived in a small house in Paris. And Simon made horse harnesses, leather horse harnesses for a living. Well, if you don't know it, leather working tools can be awfully dangerous. And so little Lewis had been told repeatedly, don't go into your daddy's shop by yourself. But one day, guess what he did? Little overactive Lewis slipped into his father's shop and with curiosity began to handle all those leather working tools. Well, as Lewis was inspecting an awl, A-W-L, an awl is a, a leather punch with a sharp end on it. As Lewis was inspecting this awl, he slipped 
and he punctured his eyeball with that awl. Well, that injured eye became infected, and Lewis couldn't stop rubbing it. He couldn't stop scratching it. And soon, the infection spread from this eye to this eye. And by the age of six years old, Lewis was absolutely blind. His parents sent Lewis to the Institute for Blind Youth in Paris, where he learned how to play the organ and was one of the best organists in the area. And at age 12, Lewis began to ask a question. Lewis began to ask, how can blind people read? How can blind people read? And so as he went home for the summer, Lewis was determined to find the answer to that question. How can blind people read? Well, as he moved blindly around his father's shop, guess what he ran into? That same all. The same all that caused his blindness. And it was this all that Lewis discovered was perfect for making raised dots on paper. So the very instrument that blinded Lewis for life, blinded Lewis Braille for life, he worked and he worked until he created this system of dots whereby not only could blind people read, but blind people could write. Blind people could work math problems. Blind people could even compose music. So my question to you is this. What is your all? What is it in your life that has crippled you? What is it in your life that is keeping you from doing what God wants you to do? What is it that is hindering you from being obedient to the Lord in every area of your life? What is that thing that has crippled you, whether it's by your own doing like Lewis Braille or by somebody else's doing? Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a death of a loved one. Maybe uh, it was a lost career. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe uh, it's some sin that caused your fellowship with God to be separated. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Let God take it. Let God take your all and use it for good in your life. Let God take your all and use it for change for the better. Let him use it. Let God take it and use it for the comfort of other people. Let God use it for success. Man, I want you to know today, you can be a successful man. You can be a successful man. If you will live by faith in God, if you will remain faithful to God, and if you will stay focused on God, I want you to know that God's sovereign plan will unfold in your life and you will be a success.
every man in this room, every man listening, ought to hold these truths close to our heart. In closing, I want to share with you five traits of a successful man. Here we go. Number one, successful men know what they want. Successful men know what they want. Men, do you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? Successful men do. Number two, successful men don't just think, they act. Have you committed men not only to be a hearer of God's word? I'm so thankful that you listen to my messages. I'm so thankful that you come to class. I'm so thankful that you're hearing the word of God. But are you a doer of the word? Don't be a hearer only, but be a doer of the word. Successful men do. Number three, successful men are not afraid to go out on a limb. They're not afraid to go out on a limb. Men, are you willing to stand in the gap? Are you willing to build up the wall for who and for what you believe in? Successful men do. Number four. Successful men are passionate about what they do. They are passionate about what they do. Are you serving the Lord with all your heart? Or if you're honest, you're serving the Lord half-heartedly. We make a choice every day to do one or the other. Finally, successful men are both persistent and patient. Men, do you faithfully and selflessly desire that other people know the Jesus Christ that you serve? Are you wanting others to know the Lord Jesus so much that they might have abundant life now and eternal life in heaven? Can I tell you, successful men do. So let me ask you all this question. Do you have that hope? Do you have that hope for abundant life now and eternal life in heaven? Followers of the Lord Jesus Christ know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. Friend, you can have the gift of God and the eternal life that he offers if you'll give your life to Christ. You can be successful then as God measures success. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this glorious day. And Father, we do celebrate men because we know that throughout Scripture, you have chosen men and yes, and women, Father, to to do your will and to... Uh, function in your perfect plan. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus today that if there is one here in person, if there is one listening online, Father, that doesn't know you and the saving uh, life and the redemption that you offer through your son Jesus Christ, that they wouldn't wait another day. Lord, during this decision time, not only can someone come forward for prayer, but Father, I know that my phone number uh, is online for, for folks to make, make a phone call so that they can know the same Jesus that we know 
and that they can become successful in the eyes of God. Father, thank you so much for your protection and your guidance, your help. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for our Jesus. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus today, Father, that you're going to do a mighty work, not only in salvation, but also in sanctification as you help us to become the kind of men and women that you want us to be. Lord, let us live for your glory and your glory alone. And all the people of God said,